Welcome to the Women of Marvel podcast. I'm Ellie Pyle. And I'm Angelique Rocher. And this week, I got to talk to artist Natasha Bustos, who is an incredibly talented creator and part of the inaugural class of Marvel's talent distinction program, Stormbreakers. She joined us from all the way over in Spain. Women of Marvel International. I love it. All right, so Ellie, for those who might not know, who and what are Stormbreakers? A Stormbreaker is an artist that Marvel thinks you should be paying attention to for the next era of great work. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean artists who are just starting out in their careers, but it means people who we wanted to highlight as only going on to greater things from here. So the 2020 class has eight artists, and I am excited about all of them. I love it. And I love that you made that distinction because for those who have been following Natasha Bustos' career, she is not new. Uh, She's been doing a lot of incredible work, uh, some work that I instantly fell in love with on Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, which I'm sure is in this interview that we're about to hear that's coming up. But all of the artists who are in the Stormbreaker class are amazing and they're doing such remarkable work here at Marvel. And they include folks like Carmen Canero, R.B. Silva. I could read the entire list, but you know, if you haven't seen it, you should go check it out on Marvel.com and then go head over to Marvel Unlimited and see some of their incredible work. All right, tell me a little bit more about this uh, this interview with Natasha. Natasha and I touched on everything from how she got started in comics to her work on Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur to what it's like to be spotlighted in the Stormbreakers program. I think that working with Marvel, I have really grown. It's been a bit like as like a school. As you'll hear, we recorded this interview with an interpreter who translated Natasha's answers from Spanish to English. Ah, uh, again, Women of Marvel International, and I'm here for it. Let's take a listen. Hello, Natasha. Welcome to Women of Marvel. Let's start off by talking about how you first got into comics. Hola, ¿qué tal? Hi, everybody. So my first contact with comics was when I was very young. My mother, who's Brazilian, she used to buy these comic books that are called uh, cuadrinhos, like little squares. That's what they're called in Portuguese. So I actually learned to read with comics. And so my parents, you know, they saw how I liked to, to read comics, and so they started buying me comic books. And so that's how I started my passion for comics and also to draw, looking at the, at the designs and at the illustrations in comic books. And how did you first encounter Marvel? It was thanks to another illustrator. His name is Javier Rodriguez. He's a great friend of mine. He worked for Marvel for many years. And so he's the one who introduced me to Marvel, though I really had never even really envisioned myself there, but he saw that I had the potential to do that. And when he introduced me there, I, I really couldn't believe that I was working for Marvel. 
Javier is a friend of mine as well, and yeah, he actually yeah. mentioned you to me years ago when I was an editor. I didn't know if that was your first introduction. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, really? Wow. But uh, he is still one of my favorite people in yes, comics, is no, Javier. Es como personas extraordinarias. Just as a human being, he's just an extraordinary human being as well. Super buena persona. Do you remember the first time you really identified with a Marvel character? The first time was when I started seeing the X-Men. That's when I was drawn to it. The illustrations from the TV and from there I jumped into the comics because I was curious about what it looked like. The first illustrated comic and color that I saw was Storm. That's awesome. Yeah, I think... The X-Men for a lot of women, particularly in our age range, is where they started. Yes, yes. No sé. It's un gran trabajo, Chris Claremont. Chris Claremont did a magnificent job with the, with the scripts. So has art always been a part of your life then? If you started with comics so early, did you always intend to be an artist? I mean, I've always been self-taught. My father, you know, he drew, but he was really an amateur. I didn't really have anybody around me who did art, not even comics. I was the only one in my social circle that read comics until I, until I entered college. I studied fine arts, and, and that's when I encountered other people like me who came from small towns and who had these these concerns or these curiosities. There really was an internet, you know, back then, so you, you got to consider that. You said you studied fine art. So how, how did you how did you first start out artistically? So I, I didn't really have people around me who who knew that you could actually study comics as a professional career. Pues, so they recommended I study architecture. But for me, architecture was too long. It was almost 10 years. And so I did like a technical degree in architecture, which was around three years. But I only did one year. And, you know, at that point I was like, no, I can't do this. I need to do something else. You know, at the end of the day, my parents wanted me to do something where they thought I would have a future, you know, and that was architecture. But in the end, I got what I, you know, I got what I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually encountered a fair number of comics artists who that's where they started. Yeah. Um, do you see yeah. connection between the skills you learned studying architecture and the design elements that go into comics illustration? I mean, of course, from all, from any discipline, you, you go, you walk away with something, you know, and, and with architecture, you know, you, ha you have to, to do drawings and that's pretty useful, obviously, for comics. And then, you know, but what I was lacking wasn't, wasn't really the background, but it was the characters. I was missing that. <laughs> um, well, that's where the personality comes in. So you've done a lot of other illustration work besides comics. What makes comics your favorite? I've always loved comics, and it's been my personal challenge to dedicate myself to this. Since I was really young, if you know that you like it, you know, you have to fight for it. It's, it's something that really comes from the, from the inside. It's a very visceral feeling. What's the most challenging part? 
many times when you're you, you know you're doing in the middle of a career and things aren't working out you you want to quit but you know you you got to keep going my advice to young artists is to not quit and if you know if, if they don't achieve their objectives they, they just need to keep striving the comic will always be there what is it that helps you get through those times of frustration where you think about quitting honestly to not think too much about it because being obsessed about it is horrible <laughs> And on top of it, you know, from the type of personality I have, you know, some people handle it better, some people handle it worse. You know, and to think that if it's bound to happen, it will happen. And if it's not bound to happen, well, then it won't. What are your favorite types of characters and scenes to draw? Pues me encanta dibujar personajes que no son muy conocidos. I really like drawing characters that aren't really that well known. I like secondary characters, you know, and really sort of leaning into the um, capacities or, or sort of hidden traits that those characters have. Also younger characters. Yeah, I don't really know why. Mm -hmm. Which that brings us to Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, which you got to help launch in 2015. What were your first impressions of Lunella Lafayette as a character? Well, I got an email with a proposal, and when I looked at it, it was it was basically me when I was a child. So the impact was like, wow, van a hacer un personaje así. So really, what I thought was, I can't believe that they're going to make a character like this. It was unbelievable. I really couldn't say no to an opportunity like that. What I hadn't really thought about was that it would be as impactful and that it would last as long as it did. It was, it was a big surprise for the entire team and a, and a great experience overall. How did you approach creating that cast of characters? So, Amy Reader, you know, she's in, in charge of, of developing the characters. She helped me create the environment. She had, you know, a very clear idea of what she wanted. And so when I was speaking with her, you know, we would arrive to agreement, we would get to agreements about how things would work. Then throughout this series, since it's been so long, we, I was able to test out new things. And I was even uh, able to, you know, propose cer certain uh, ideas for the script. So have you found there's a difference in working with a writer who is also an artist like Amy versus working with someone who's just a writer? How you approach comics is different. Is, is, it's different. Amy, since she has just the visual ability, you know, it, it just made work very easy. It's not that one is better than the other. It's just different experiences. So you mentioned that you did not expect Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur to go on as long as it did. Uh, what was the reception like? Were there fan responses that stood out to you? It was amazing. I was trusting that the series was going to be impactful because the character was, it was such a great character. So, you know, the team had a lot of confidence that it was going to be a, a good series. But what was incredible was when, when we went to New York and met fans in person, people who did cosplay of the characters. That was amazing. 
you know, also the letters that we've gotten from fans, some have been pretty, pretty touching. I remember one in particular where, where a young girl told me that, that this was her first comic. And I mean, that's, that's so important. I agree that cosplay is one of those things that you know that a character has really kind of made it into the public consciousness when you start seeing them at conventions. It's a really amazing moment. Yeah, and you know, you realize that somebody has, you know, invested so much time in creating a costume. So that, that says a lot. Absolutely. It's incredible. So a few of the other younger characters that you have worked on more recently include Miles Morales, Spider-Man, uh, you did issue number 22, and Runaways number 32. So what was it like to work with those characters? Runaways, I really like them as a character always. As I said, I like youthful characters, and so doing those, it's great to get to work on stories like this. And, and right now... Right now with Miles, it's, it's pretty amazing to, to be part of that collection. Honestly, it's a dream come true. So let's talk about Stormbreakers. How did you feel when you found out that you were going to be in the inaugural class of Marvel's Stormbreakers? It's, it's great. And also, you know, the team is, is pretty unique. It's people from all over the world. There's, I mean, uh, there's a ton of people from Spain, that's true. <laughs> there's a lot of colleagues, and in fact, Carmen Carnero, she's a friend of mine. She lives, you know, 20 kilometers away from, from where I live, so it's, it's pretty special. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty cool. You know, and, and Marvel's promotion of this is, is yeah, it's pretty daunting. My fans have really gone up on my social media and people people ask me, you know, what are you doing? What is this about? You know, and I say, well, you know, it's to promote the work we're doing. Yeah, it's amazing that Marvel does this. Well, we are very excited for all of you and to see, you know, what comes out of this. Thank you. <laughs> So how do you feel that you've grown as a comics artist since you started out? I think that working with Marvel, I have really grown. Every new comic I work on with Marvel, there's something I take away from it. It's been a bit like, like a school. That makes sense. You mentioned that Moon Girl reminded you of you when you were a child. Can you talk a little bit more about what you specifically identified with in her? It's more in how she looks than in how she is, to be honest. I, I used to wear some glasses uh, that were just as, as big, and I also had a ponytail. But I wasn't as smart as her. <laughs> I was a nerd, but a different type of nerd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who, who among us is as smart as Lunella? That's a that's a high bar. Yeah, yeah, I know what question. <laughs> so, what kind of art do you hope to be doing moving forward? Are there particular characters or particular books you'd like to work on in the future? No sé, me gustan los retos. I don't really know. I mean, I like a challenge. So, whatever comes my way, that's a challenge. If I get 
a proposal that's challenging, I'm going to accept it. And Marvel has so many characters that it'll be hard to say no to, to one if, if it's interesting. Well, that's great. Well, I'm excited to see whatever it is that you end up working on next. Thank you. Me too. <laughs> Thank you so much for chatting with us today, Natasha. And um, mm. we would love for you to come back and talk to us anytime. Okay. Thank you too. <laughs> Thanks again to Natasha Bustos for such a great conversation. And if you want to check out her work, head on over to marvel.com. All right, Ellie, you know me. I really like asking questions. So here we go. One of the cool things about your job and career is that you've had the chance to speak with so many incredibly cool and talented artists. What is one of the more unique takeaways from your conversation with Natasha? So that's an interesting question because we actually talked about a lot of what her experience kind of shares with other artists, um, including artists who started out studying architecture and then found their way into comics. But it was great to just hear her talk about how she had always, always loved comics and, you know, finding her way back to an art form that she loves so much. So speaking of Stormbreaker, speaking of Natasha, speaking of loving comics, there are a lot of dope things that are out right now. Ellie, what are you reading? And um, what can you tell me about what you're working on with all of your secrets? Okay, well, there are a lot of secrets that I cannot tell everyone as much as I wish I could. I am so excited to tell people about things I cannot talk about yet. But in terms of what I am reading, I have currently been catching up on X of Swords, and I am excited for folks to get to hear Apocalypse's ex-wife tell her story a bit. A uh, little bit of extra X mythology that you'll get there. I love it. So Angelique, how about you? What have you been reading or working on? Well, I am really excited uh, because we have some really incredible Marvel's Voices essays coming up. Uh, also this month, we've got Marvel's Voices Indigenous Voices number one is coming out. Next week, there's going to be an incredible essay from Darcy Little Badger that's talking about so many, so many good things. Ooh, very exciting. And as always, if you enjoyed this conversation or just want to say hi, you can tweet us at Marvel using the hashtag Women of Marvel. We love hearing from you. Oh, and also because shameless plug, uh, we appreciate ratings and reviews. So don't be shy about leaving one on Apple Podcast. Honestly, it really helps people find our show and it makes us personally happy. Until next time, this is Marvel, your universe. Women of Marvel is produced by Rebecca Seidel and Zachary Goldberg, along with Ellie Pyle and me, Angelique Rocher. Our development manager is Karen Heffa, and Jill DeBoff is our director of audio. Special thanks to Natasha Bustos and our translator, Emily Corona. Before we go, I want to share some exciting news from our friends over at Marvel Unlimited. As of October 19th, all new comics will now be available on Marvel Unlimited just three months after they're in stores. Catch up on months of reading with new issues of Avengers, Immortal Hulk, or X-Men, or if you don't want to pick just one specific character, try our most recent crossover event, Empire. 
With 28,000 issues on the app now, Marvel Unlimited is the place for fans to read their favorite Marvel stories all together. And if you're new to Marvel Unlimited, as a listener of this show, you can get 50% off your first month of Marvel Unlimited. Sign up at marvel.com slash unlimited and enter promo code Women of Marvel. 